0: We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good call. Good call. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal.
1: And welcome back, guys. That's Greg and Steve here from Under Review uh it's been an extremely long time since we've chatted um since the last time we've actually recorded a podcast there's been a number of things that have happened um first of all there was a worldwide global pandemic um most of our sports got shut down and i got banned from twitter so there you go um what's up steve uh yeah
0: it's been a crazy what has has it been like three years since the pandemic started uh it feels like it sometimes (laughs)
1: um four years
0: it's been five months but it's been the longest five months of my life um unfortunately uh we didn't have any sports to watch for several months there was no traveling um so yeah i'm happy that sports are back even though it's not the way we really wanted it and as some of you know i've been a staunch uh, uh of having these playoffs happen in the first place. I think they should have just flat-out canceled it like every other league in the world has. But, you know, here we are. We have this weird play-in play structure where 24 teams make the postseason and players are in a bubble. And uh, if the Columbus Blue Jackets win tonight, both, home, both teams with actual home-eye advantage go home
1: so it's weird yeah um so i mean we haven't talked in quite a long time um i actually have not participated in twitter in quite a while nor have i watched or i should say during the shutdown i haven't paid attention to um sports social media at all i basically took a hiatus for about four months um i mean i got i got banned from twitter because i made some comments about our president and I guess he didn't really like that. So I don't know if his, his <laughs> trolls kind of like suspended me. But I tried writing to Twitter and be like, hey, like, all I did is call that president fucking moron because he is. And then I got kicked off Twitter and I'm like, OK, well, I guess you're a bunch of snowflakes. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is. And I just created a new account. And I'm like, well, you know, it's hey, I'm,
0: I'm happy that your new account ha- is uh, has a shorter uh, Twitter handle. It gives me a couple of extra characters to fit in th- into that tweet when I share this.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So, so um, not so, yeah. all bad. What's
0: up? It's not all bad, you
1: know. No, no, no. It's it, not all silver bad. lining. There is a silver lining, but since then, like I said, I've I've basically stayed off of Twitter, stayed off of sports Twitter, I should say. Uh, I've been following some other things in my personal life. I've been taking care, of but from a sports perspective, um for the past couple months, I really have not paid too much attention to sports in general. Um, and I think there's a reason for that, uh, at least for me personally, just to kind of rewind the last couple of months for, for you know, anyone that listens to our podcast or any, any of my friends I used to chat with on Twitter. Um, so a lot of things kind of just happened like this pandemic took a, you know, really changed the landscape of a lot of things business wise, socially, you know, social context wise. Um, I mean, there's just an The environment has changed, uh, the way we kind of, you know, interact, the way we kind of do business, the way we kind of, I mean, a lot of things have changed and I think that we need to kind of adapt with that. Um, but for me personally, sports has become very much like a back burner thing for me. It used to be a very important thing for me in terms of, it was a big part of my entertainment, something I look forward to every day. But, you know, since then, like my business has taken a big hit, um, you know, uh, my brother kind of moved down here with me um, in Georgia because the pandemic, when it first started, really hit New York City very, very hard. Um, so he kind of got out of there and he was, was, was very worried about himself, which I understand. So now he's living with me. And so there's kind of a lot of things going on personally for me. Um, and then also, like, I actually, at some point, I actually got uh, COVID positive too, which I'm fine now, but like, you yeah. know, a lot of things kind of went on. So, you know, man, I just, Honestly, like sports just became such a back burner. And then I know with with, what, you know, the the NBA, the NHL, and even MLB, MLB is trying to have some kind of a season. Um, But for me personally, I just don't think the risk is worth all of this stuff. I I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I'm in the minority. I mean, I know there are people who like need their sports every day to feel like, you know, to feel like something. But I don't know, man. I think this is bigger than sports, dude. I, I just, me personally, I'd be totally fine with all major sport organizations taking a hiatus until we have some kind of vaccine or some type of, um, you know, uh, treatment protocol. I, I'd be fine with that. And I know I might be in the minority there. Um, like even for my own business, if, um, if the government were ever to give me kind of like any kind of assistance in my own life, I probably would be, you know, taking a little, little different approaches and stuff in terms of my own business as well. So, um, it's just what it is, man. I think people aren't taking this, this, this pandemic seriously. And I think that's, that's just kind of like a a microcosm. I think people are, Oh, we need our sports back. Oh, I need you back in the stadium. And it's like, dude, like, I I understand that you, you, this is important, but when we have no idea how to handle this virus and we have no idea where let's be real. We don't even know really what we're dealing with yet. We have just early information of data. You know, and people are just kind of like very like, Oh, well, the data keeps changing. Yeah. You're watching science in real time, asshole. Like you have you're not watching science develop over a decade of research. You're watching it in real time. And that's what happens with science is that the data constantly changes because the more you, the more data you're collecting, you're going to get different outlooks and you're going to get different sample sizes and you're going to be looking at different things all the time. And so you kind of have something that you can replicate over and over and over and have predictable outcomes. And then you can kind of rely on that predictable outcome. But right now is, you know, it's so early, and our and we're in the infant stage of this virus. So I think, you know, we need to kind of understand that a little bit and have some compassion as a as as a species. So at least that's that's my take. Um, you know, that's that's one part of it. I know the other part of it is that unfortunately, like this, at least here in America, this pandemic is kind of because of certain things we've kind of like let this kind of get out of control. We didn't take proper precautions early, you know, mass are, are becoming like a, a political fucking talking point. Like there's so many things going on that this country's kind of went in that different direction. And that kind of affected our sports too, you know, because I mean, maybe if we would have handled this differently from the beginning, maybe we would have had sports earlier. Maybe it would be a lot, a lot different. I don't know, but you know, so uh, I know this is a long rant for me, but the last, the last couple of months have been just very weird for me, man, and uh, I don't know. It's just sports have really been the very last thing on my mind, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying, and for me, it's probably easier to move away from sports because here in Europe, it's not really that cornerstone of society that it is in the United States. I know that in the United States, sports is part; it's a part of life. When you go to college their sports We in europe when you go to high school or college you have what they call like i think it's the equivalent of pe you know it's like a little bit of exercise or you know you play like a friendly game of softball or whatever but there's no real structure around it that then leads into pro sports. so it's completely different here and sports here have taken a back seat um and it's probably also the, the the reason why it's easier here to cancel to flat out cancel hockey uh, seasons. Um, with football or soccer, it's a little bit different. They have some leagues that have started up again. Uh, they're trying to complete it now in time for the new season to start. But when it comes to hockey, it's flat out canceled. Um, and I think I don't want to get too much into it, um, but. I think the way the pandemic has been handled in the United States is it's a shame to see a country struggle to this degree when I see firsthand what it could be like if people just get behind their government and just do what the government advises them to do. Here in Vienna, we were told to wear masks, to only go out when we really needed to. Uh, Supermarkets would open in the morning from 8 to 10, only for people uh, age 60 and over. Mm -hmm. So So they could safely get their groceries without having to rush. So there were sort of measurements in place, sort of, you know, like rules in place to make life a little bit easier for everyone. And back in May, our bars and restaurants all reopened. Life in Vienna is basically back to normal with the exception of travel. Um, my family still lives in the Netherlands, of course. Uh, my dad was in hospital a couple of weeks ago. He was hit. He was on his bicycle and he was hit. Um, was kept in the hospital overnight because of an aneurysm. I wanted to go visit him, but unfortunately I had to quarantine for two weeks. By the time that quarantine would have been over, he'd be home already. All right. So yeah, that's a little bit of, you know, that's, that's complicated. But in general, I think life as i know it here in vienna is basically back to normal you know i can i can do my thing we we wear masks in public transport transport now so bus tram train and that's it so yeah and sports i haven't really missed sports that much um of course i love sports but you know It is what it is. And now we're in this weird situation where the NHL was probably the only league in North America that actually figured out how to successfully restart their season. Um, I don't know exactly what they did in the NBA, but I know that in MLB, they have like, is it the Marlins? The team from Miami?
1: Yeah, they actually like a bunch of their players got um, tested positive I don't know yep. I don't know how true that rumor is about how they went to a strip club or I don't know what the hell happened.
0: It doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter how you get it the fact is that a large part of the team was infected with the virus and it changed everything. The NHL was in a bubble and especially the city of Toronto is perfect for it they have I've been to Toronto once and they have something called The Path. It's an underground shopping mall and it's like it, it, it covers like a large part of the city. And they can, they can lock it down. It's been locked down for months. So the players have a safe way to get from their hotel to the arena. It's perfect. And there haven't been any cases of COVID-19 within the bubble. So in that no, regard... Yeah,
1: the, you know, the NHL, actually, I'll say this. The NHL and the NBA, I think if you're going to do this, the NHL and the NBA have done it correctly. MLB has done it incorrectly. I think having all the travel, having players still... Like get, trusting them to do things is just you can't – you have to have a controlled environment if you want to have sports. Having said that, me personally, if I was running these organizations, I would just tell the players, listen, we're going to pay you anyways because you're on a contract. We're just not going to have a season. So make sure you guys are safe. Keep, you know, keep fit. Keep healthy. Stay home. When we get this figured out, we'll go back to norm- normality. I think – I don't know. Just watching – and we, we, we're going to touch on the, on the Rangers series in a second – but, um, the only games I've watched since the pandemic was the Carolina Rangers series. And I don't know. Um, say what you want. I just it doesn't feel like real hockey.
0: Um, I guess it's sort of the equivalent of three on three overtime. Um, it's not real hockey, but it's better than the alternative. a, th- I- a three on three overtime uh, a three on three overtime is better than a shootout, and in that way, I can understand fans saying, this bubble playoff hockey is better than no hockey at all
1: no i i i think there's some truth to that it's just that like i th- i think when you're talking about professional sports the atmosphere does play a, a factor there is a variable there that that i think people um you know the the, the it, it does play a factor man like you do kind of feed off of a crowd and kind of like you know i'm not saying that like th- the crowd is going to make the difference in like you know every win but like it just changes the vibe, changes the atmosphere, changes the energy, changes like the, the, the way the game is played, right? Um, I think that's one factor. But I actually think the bigger factor of why this doesn't feel legit to me anyways is because of the, the, the layoff. When you have that much time away from the game, there, there's a lot to be accounted for, right? No one's going to come out the first couple of days, even, even with those one or two preseason games they played. Most, most teams play, I think, one. They it's should like, have had more than one. They
0: should have had more than one of those exhibition games. I, I, even
1: even that would have would have, wouldn't have been enough, man. I think I think it's it's hard to it's really hard because right before the pandemic happened, like uh, talking around like February March, a lot of these teams were in high gear. They were they were playing for several months together. They've developed systems together. Their their coaching staff and their players started to have some 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 uh, you know some unity there. They started you know. Gelling together, like a lot of things were kind of clicking. Teams that you know were on the ice together a lot, they started you know really hitting their stride. And I think it's unfortunate that when that happened, some teams that were really hitting their stride let's let's be honest, the Rangers were were, were red hot right before the um the pandemic happened. And it just takes so, a lot out of it. It's really hard to kind of get up and go and just kind of be like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take four months off, and then I need to be exactly where i was intensity wise, focus wise, game sharpness. I mean, and which is mo- the most important part is game sharpness, right? You can you can do all the drills you want. But at least I know I know for me in terms of sports performance, like i can do all the drills i want, but unless i'm playing my sport consistently, there is a sharpness i've lost. And yes, there that is true for every team across the board. So it's not like one team is less impacted than the other. It just doesn't feel as right because I don't feel like each one of these teams were at their at their peak.
0: I think <clears throat> I think the reason this break affected the Rangers more than other teams because the Rangers were on a incredible hot streak going into the break.
1: Yeah I mean the only benefit they've got is they got Kreider back which was which was a benefit and he actually played pretty well mm-hmm. but, Yeah of course but
0: but the Rangers in February and March they were on a on an on an amazing streak of of wins where they they had that comeback game in Montreal. They had the Zibanejad five-goal game against the Caps. Um, Kako, who scored two goals in Dallas a couple of days before the season was postponed, he was finally getting into that groove, and all of a sudden you go to a situation where, uh, and this, of course, again, this affects all teams, but the Rangers were scattered all over the world. You had Kako and Georgiev in Turku. You had Zibanejad in Stockholm. Uh, Panarin was was still back in New York. Jorkin spent his offseason in Florida uh, with Truba. It's it's so difficult to, to get back to that to, to that uh, synergy that the Rangers had those final few weeks before uh, they postponed the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I and- completely agree. Like if you look at Adam, like for example, Adam Fox, right? Adam Fox having a fantastic season.
0: I mean, and Adam Fox, over time, games. over time, got into his groove. If you look at Adam Fox, the last
1: couple of weeks of the regular season compared to the first couple of weeks, completely different player. Agreed. And but but you look at him the three games against Carolina, he was absolute dog shit.
0: Yeah, and and look, the other reason is, in my opinion, and this is something Ranger fans need to admit: the Carolina Hurricanes are a better team than the New York Rangers. The Carolina, I, I, I agree. With the, the, that. the Carolina Hurricanes have a better defense, even with Dougie Hamilton and Brad Pesci out injured. I agree with that. Dougie Hamilton would be the best defenseman on the Rangers, maybe except for Adam Fox, and they were missing him, and they were still better than us defensively. Their defensive <laughs> scheme is was just perfect for this series for them. You don't have yeah, any I, goalie I, when you have the defense taking away the high-danger shots, and they did that perfectly.
1: And, and they're, they're and they're also be, they're also better down the middle too.
0: Yes, uh, but the last thing I'll say about Carolina's defense, there's one guy on that team that deserves to to win the Norris, and I know John Carlson's going to get it because he had like seventy points or something. Jacob Slavin is the best defenseman in the world, and he has been for the last two three years. I'm I don't glad, care.
1: I'm glad, no, I'm glad you said that because I actually agree with that hundred percent. I think Jacob I don't Slavin, care what anyone I'll says.
0: He's amazing, and his contract—he's—he's yeah. he's on like
1: four point five million or something. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. You know, you know who else also has an insanely good contract and is awesome as Pesci too. I mean, like they—they're just loaded with so many good defensemen. It's ridiculous. And, and isn't it very Ranger Ranger esque that like Brady Shea actually plays very well against us? Like that's just typical ex-Ranger yeah. play.
0: Brady Shea playing better <laughs> for the Carolina Hurricanes is look take your pick is it the coaching is it the system is it the team is it uh, uh you know a different environment take your pick it could be anything it's probably it's probably a combination of all of that it's probably a combination of all four but um sometimes and this ties into JT Miller as well just quickly go over him sometimes players get better after they get a change of scenery JT Miller who also was on the fourth line in Tampa now is lighting it up in Vancouver, and granted, he's playing with Elias Pettersson and Bre- and Brock Besser, so he has some really good line mates. But J.T. Miller said in an interview that after being traded for the second time in fifteen months, something clicked. You know, it was like a wake up call for him, and he was taking off season practice seriously, and he had a whole different approach to the season. And playing for a team where making the playoffs is not guaranteed, but you actually have to earn it in a regular season. Uh just changed his mindset. And all of a sudden, look at who look at where JT Miller is now. Sometimes yeah. players need a change of scenery. And yeah, you can argue that that you know we gave up to him uh, on him too early, but you win some and you lose some. I mean, in the same vein, you could say that Ottawa gave up too early on Zabanajai.
1: Oh, they absolutely did.
0: And and Edmonton gave up too early on Ryan Strome, although I think that's more the chemistry he has with Panarin, but still, you win some and you lose some. We had Anton Stroman, who was not great in Toronto and in Columbus, and with us, he was amazing. Yeah. So uh, Adam Fox coming uh, coming over in that trade from Carolina really solidified our defense, and a year later, we sent Brady Shea in that direction. We sent them Joey Keane for Julian Gauthier. We made three trades with these guys and then we end up playing them in the in the play-in round. It's it's yeah, it's weird. Um, but down the middle, they're amazing. They added Vinny Trocheck at the deadline. Um, their top line center, Sebastian Ajo, I think again, underrated player. It's probably a top ten center in the league this season. There's a lot of talk about Zabanajad because he led the league in goals per game, and he had a fantastic season. But Sebastian Aho had eight eight points in these three games. Mm-hmm. He was
1: amazing against that Zibanejad line. And I, I, I agree. I think I mean that 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 first line, that first line with Aho and with um, Teravainen and Sveshnikov. And um, yeah, Sveshnikov absolutely just murdered the Rangers. I mean, really, really, what it comes down to is that line destroyed them.
0: Yeah. And then the second line has Trocek with um, uh, Mr. Game Seven, Justin Williams, and Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter is not a great; it's not it's not like that, you know, that superstar player. But in the right role, he can be very useful. And and I think I think what what this series has showed me at least is that the Carolina Hurricanes are where we want to be two years from now.
1: I actually agree with that. I, I, I would go as far as to say, like, um, I remember last year when, they, when Carolina got hot and I was very high on Carolina. I said, you know, if they could ever figure out their goaltending situation, they'd be a very dangerous team. Mm-hmm. And I still hold that, you know, right now. I, I think the difference between whether Carolina makes it to a cup final and wins one or has an outing is whether they can get consistent good goaltending. Because everything else in their, on their team is solid. They're they're outstanding defensively. They've got great uh, you know goal scoring forwards. They've got a top line they can compete with anybody. They've got depth they got depth down down the middle. They've got wingers on their second and third line that can they can you know uh, put the puck in the net. I mean they really have a very very good team. The problem is is that their goaltending if they get shaky which it usually does can cost them two games and then all of a sudden there goes a the series cuz you can't you can't I, I think even you know, every at least from in my experience of watching hockey, your goalie usually in a series will will steal a game for you. Usually, mm-hmm. but a goalie can also lose you a, uh, you know a series by by having one or two of those really bad games. But as long as you have consistent play, you're going to allow your players, your you know your your skaters and your defensemen to, to actually be able to, to to win a game. And the problem is with Carolina is that is that consistency that that lack of really good goaltending has always been like a thorn in their side. So do I think they can win the Stanley cup? Sure. They would have to, I mean, they would have to basically do what what Chicago did with Corey Crawford and just like kind of run the table with average goaltending, but it's possible. It's possible. And I, and I I think if Carolina does win, it just goes to show you that you can have okay goaltending and still win a Stanley cup.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, that's the point I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, uh, to elaborate on. You don't need elite goaltending in the salary cap era to win the Stanley Cup. I've seen Cam Ward win a Stanley Cup in 2006. Antti Niemi with the Blackhawks in 2010. Are you kidding me? Antti Niemi. Corey Crawford and Matt Murray both won two. Right. Uh, The Blues won it with a rookie goaltender in in Jordan Bennington. Yep. Everyone, and as Ranger fans, we know this. Goaltending is important, but maybe... It's just more important to have good defense. I will pick a, an elite center or top pair defenseman over an elite goalie every single time.
1: I actually agree with you completely. And, I, and I think that's very un... un like,
0: if I, if I un- look at the impact a position has on the game, and by this I mean the difference between elite and good in a position, I think goaltending is probably the least impactful on a hockey team. It's, it's comparable to a kicker or a punter in football. And let me explain. If you have an elite goaltender or a good goaltender, the difference is negligible if you invest that cap space and money into better centers and defensemen.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the game has also changed too. I think the thing is, is that like, for, let's, let's just take, for example, I think if we would have rewind the clock 20 years ago, I think goaltending, because of the way the game was played, um, goaltending was even more important, right? I, I think today, with the amount of really good players out there, it's less important. It's it's less important because teams now will be able to have such depth through their lineup that they can they can um, kind of like make it make a really good goalie look kind of average sometimes because there's just so much there's so much talent in the league today. I, I, think, I, I, I mean, I know I'm crazy to say that. I think there's more athletic, there's more athletic talent, young talent in today's NHL game than there was 15, 20 years ago. Now there might be just as many high powered, you know, high offensive players. Matter of fact, I think that the, I think there was more goal scoring back then than there is now. But at the end of the day, I think there's more depth today. So I think that takes away from the elite goaltender. At least that's, especially in the Sally cap era where you have to think about, well, I can only keep, so many players, why invest so much money in your goaltending when I can have a stacked, you know, three, four lines and an incredible top two pair defense like that to me is so much more critical because they're, they spend so much more time on the ice and they can impact the game even more than my elite goalie can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the
0: Rangers now with, you know, moving forward, they might have the best of both worlds because they will have Shesh Jorkin. Uh, still relatively cheap for another year. Um, and, you know, there is there's some talk about Lundqvist retiring. I don't know if he's going to, but if he does, the cap space the Rangers generate by just that move alone
1: mm-hmm.
0: will, will put them in a position where they can just sign a free agent and go for it.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't even do that. Hold on to the cap space. That's just me. I don't think they need no. to spend it.
0: No, no, they don't have to spend it. I mean, you have other other players coming up uh, in free agency, but um it's interesting to uh to see what's gonna happen in 2021 and onwards because you have the six million uh cap penalty on Sheppenkirk's buyout coming off the books in 2021. Yep. Stahl and Longquist, if they don't retire, they come off the books, same as Brandon Smith. 2021-22 is going to be a, an interesting year to see what Gordon's going to do. Um and I just really hope that he's, they're going to do the rebuild right and not take any shortcuts. Um, I was a bit hesitant a year ago that we were investing so much assets and cap space into a guy like Jacob Truba so early on in the rebuild. At the time, it was only 15 months after the letter was sent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I hope they do the right thing, but the Rangers have a... have. The goalie of the future on the team now, and um, if they if they play this right, if they play their cards right, we should be a contender in in two three years. Because yeah, getting Caco last year was amazing. That to me that was step one of the rebuild. You need at least two high picks, and if we get another, well, we get either first, tenth, or eleventh overall in this year's draft get another player to add to your, um, to your prospect pool, like high-end quality prospect, and all of a sudden you are a year or two away from, from being in contention of the Stanley Cup. Yeah. The, the Chicago Blackhawks blueprint is, is the perfect example for the Rangers. <laughs> Rangers. Um, between drafting Jonathan Taves and winning the Stanley Cup was four years. So by that same blueprint, the Rangers should be contenders in 2023.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair take. I think um, um, I was I was looking at twenty twenty one is when I think the Rangers are going to start turning the tide. They turned the tide a year earlier than I thought, which is awesome because they played very well this year. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're trending in the right direction. They've made they've made more good good decisions than bad decisions. Now let's be fair. Every every we can go through every franchise. No franchise makes. Is, you know, immune from making mistakes, right? Every franchise makes mistakes. You just want to make sure that your organization makes more good decisions than bad decisions. And their decisions are not always, or I should say not always, but they're not filled with emotion, but they're filled with, they're filled with data. They're filled with being very analytical in their choices. They're filled with thinking about things you know, uh, without having their emotions attached, like, oh, I like this guy. So we're going to pay him more. We're going to keep this guy because he's a good locker room guy like that might be true. And it might be something you want to think about, but it should not be deciding factors. You should really look at your team and say, okay, who can help us right now? Who's going to help us the next couple of years? Who's the guy on the team that we think is going to trend in the right direction? Are we getting rid of players that are on the downtrend? Are we trying to acquire players that have good value and are going and are on the uptrend? Like, are we making? Are we are we selecting and drafting players with high upsides and 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 you know and and star potential? Like, you want to make sure your your team is always trending in that right direction. Which I would say, for the vast majority of of Gorton's decisions, have trended in that direction. So I would give a check mark there, and I'm actually happy with that movement in that direction. Now, the thing is, what separates the Rangers from being a, a competitive OK team and possibly one of the better teams is, can they get one more superstar? I think at this point, I feel very comfortable saying, we know Artemi Panarin is a superstar. I don't think anybody needs to debate that. I feel very comfortable saying Mika Zibanejad is a superstar in this league. I have no problem saying he's a top player in the league. The thing is, is that's, that's OK to have that. But you, I think for you to move forward, you need three or four of those players. Mm -hmm. If you want to compete, if you want to be the Pittsburgh Penguins of, you know, the past decade, if you want to be the Chicago Blackhawks, if you want to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you want to be, you know what I mean? If you want to be any of these teams that flat out destroy teams and they're always in the mix, you need more than one or two superstar elite players. You need as many as you can get. I think three, three is minimum to me. I think you need four. I mean, I think you need one on the blue line, to be honest with you. But I think you need three forwards and one superstar defender. If yeah. you really want to be in the same category as the Pittsburgh Penguins, as the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, 10, 10 years ago, like if you want to be those teams, you need that kind of star talent. And the Rangers have some of it. They're still missing two, I think, two pieces. So if the Rangers are lucky enough to actually win the fucking lotter, which would be absolutely insane, it puts another check mark in that direction. Do you think Adam Fox has the potential to be that star player on the blue line for us? I, I do actually. That's that's a very good question. And watching him play this year, I think in a year or two, I think he's going to be a standout player. So mm-hmm. I think I think to me, that's a a a, a trend in the right direction. Um, could he also just be a very good defensive player? Sure. But I think he could also he has the potential mm-hmm. to be a superstar. I think he's got enough talent in him where. He doesn't have too many weaknesses. The only thing I saw the past three games with him, and I think I saw this with, let's be fair, the majority of the team, is I think they just looked um they, they did they, there was no cohesion. There was no, you know, um, they weren't in sync at all. It was just like it, it literally looked like they it looked like the season ended and now they're getting ready for a new season. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do you know, and have those first few games be that impactful. Like, and I understand every organization had to go through that, but it, I just don't think that, I think there are some teams that that might, that might've been bounced early in this first round that I think if the pandemic never happened, might've either pushed these teams to the, you know, to, to five games or maybe even won a series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins to me are, are a prime example. Yeah because they added uh, Jason
0: Zucker at the deadline which on paper pushes them you know over that line of being like a fringe playoff team into being a contender. Um
1: is there a player on the Rangers that did stand out for you in those three games? Oh, uh, Kako. I don't I don't think it's close. Uh, I I think that was the best I've I've saw him ever since like the World Juniors. Uh, it's it's been, a, it's been a crazy year for him, of course,
0: and he has, up until the break in March, he had played consistent hockey for 21 months. Like, no break for 21 months, because the 2019 offseason, like he said, you know, he, he, he played the Eurohockey uh, Euro uh, Challenge, Euro Hockey Tour, World Championships, and then went to the draft. He didn't even have time to go to the Combine. So, uh, went to the draft, got picked by the Rangers, and then joined them for uh prospect development camp, and then uh, their training camp, and then played in Traverse, and then preseason, and then regular season. Oh my God, no, the first break he got was the All-Star break, and that was only a couple of days.
1: Yeah, no, the real break he had was the pandemic break.
0: Yeah, and he spent a lot of time with Georgiev, uh, because Georgiev is, lived in Turku, um, so he was able to go back his... Technically, on paper, he's still a resident of Finland, um, so he could go back to Finland and spend his off season there, uh, uh, practicing with uh, with Kako. Um, and when he came back, I was hoping for him to to be a little bit better. He was better the last couple of games, but I was hoping he could like take that next step and. Seeing him play against the Carolina Hurricanes, he was one of the few bright spots, for, for me at least.
1: I, I tend to agree with that. I think, he, I think he played outstanding. I think another player that um, really – uh, oh, let's just go back to Kako because I, I do want to make a point about Kako too. I think this is the first time in quite a while too where his body almost matched what I thought he can do, where he was really aggressive and strong. Like, mm-hmm. he was very strong on the play and very strong on the puck. And I'm just like, okay, this is more of the cackle that I saw, you know, 12 months ago.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, and me, that was
1: just a very nice thing to see. So, yeah. um, I'm hanging my hat on that really hard.
0: Yeah, there was this, this uh, podcast that he joined, a uh, Finnish podcast a couple of months ago, where they spoke about his season and his experiences as a rookie in the NHL. And some of the things he said stood out to me. And one thing in particular where he said... Um I was trying to play my own game and every time I did I came back to the bench. Uh the coach told me to not do that anymore. And they were like at practice uh like like teaching him how to dump the puck and go for a line change. Right. And and it was so frustrating and for him, you know, to having to change the way you've played all your life. Yeah. And I know that to a degree, you have to adjust as a player to make it in the NHL. I'm just, I'm just worried that some coaches in the NHL are forcing that a little bit too much, trying to fit a, uh, a round peg into a square hole, so to speak. Um, but when he came back after that, he was, in those four games, also the one against the Islanders, he was easily the best player on the ice. Uh, and that includes our goalies. Um, I think our goalies were okay. Um, Lundqvist played those those first two games. He wasn't bad. He let in one or two questionable goals, but overall it was the defense that that really gave up those many, many,
1: many shots, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to put some blame on, on, who, on where, where we lost the series, right? I mean, we got out, let's put it this way. Let's say, I would say, first of all, you just got to admit that Caroline outplayed you three games in a row. That's it. Okay. That's just that's just that, right? That's just facts. Not even a question. Yeah. No. yeah. Caroline outplayed you three games in a row from start to finish. Every single part of their game outplayed you. When 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 they had to make big saves, they did. When they had to shut you down and not give you opportunities to, you know, to to put the pucks on net and get pucks deep, they did. When they had opportunities to to get pucks to your net, they did. They did everything they were supposed to do. They really, they made very few mistakes. That's first of all. OK, when a team makes very few mistakes, I don't care if you're on top of your game. That's very difficult to overcome. So that's one. The second thing is that what what Carolina what Carolina did is they exploited our defense really well. Um, you know, it, it's it, it, like Tony D'Angelo, for example. I mean, he had I mean, he didn't just have a bad series. He had a brutal series like he was absolutely fucking dog shit. He was terrible. Yeah. So was so was Fox. Trouba was okay, and I'm being generous. He was okay. You know, I mean, it's like, and these are your three best defensemen.
0: I think I think Lindgren was probably the least disappointing out of the, the players on the blue line. And that's,
1: and that's scary, dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When, when, when Lindgren has literally played your best three games and you've got guys like Fox and and D'Angelo on your team, you go, eh, you're probably not going to win that series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Look, I mean, what is the what has been the Rangers' Achilles heel for quite a while now? It's their blue line. Would you agree with that? The left side of the blue line, in particular. But it, just in general, I'd say the blue line has been a. a,
0: a um, I would, say, like, I would say, Hanks I would say, I
1: would
0: say, and I would say our bottom six is is as much a problem as our blue line
1: is. Uh, I would almost, I would almost argue the other way. I would almost say the blue line, like at least in in, in from Hank's point, from like you know early on in Hank's career all the way up until now, it's just it, that blue line has been questionable at times. Whereas I could, I could, I can make an argument a little bit easier to say that the, if I had to put some blame the last 10, 10 plus years for the Rangers, right? I put more blame on that blue line than I would put blame on the bottom six. I'm not, no, one, yeah, not, not a but 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 problem, but that blue line. Yeah. Never, what have we, have we, aside from, aside from McDonough, and McDonough is an is an okay defenseman. I would say borderline good. Really, you uh-huh. know, good defenseman. And he was your superstar in terms of he was your rock for uh-huh. a while. That's tough, man. Like he, then he, then he goes with a team like Tampa Bay and he's like third in the pecking order. So it's just like that, that's been a very glaring weakness for the New York Rangers for a while. So I mean, does it does it surprise me that that blue line get got, you know, exploited.
0: Oh, yeah, crap. you listen, I think a lot of Ranger fans forget how good Mark Stahl was the first eight years in the league.
1: Well, Mark Stahl was great until he hurt until it until he you know injured his eye and then after that he just his crew his and then I think a combination of the eye injury and a combination of the game changing and getting much faster just, you know, spearheaded his career. He really is that.
0: he is the type of player that doesn't age well like Ryan Callahan for instance and to, to look at other sports like running backs in the NFL. Certain players don't age well, and Mark Stahl is one of them. But I think as bad as he is now, I think a lot of fans forget how good he was up until 2013, 2000, uh, maybe 2014. Um, the defense for the Rangers, like you said, has always been an issue. We never had that star defenseman. Even McDonough, even though he was our best defenseman, Aside from that 2014 postseason where we made it all the way to the cup final, when has McDonough actually delivered in, in the playoffs, aside from that one season?
1: Um, you're, I mean, I would say McDonough was okay. The problem is, is that I think, he was, I think the problem is this, is, that, is that Ryan McDonough was always asked to do more than he should. He was asked to have a role bigger than what his capabilities were. Yeah. Ryan McDonough is a good and, has nothing, and, and that's not his that's not his fault. Unfortunately, no. that's not his fault. He was asked to be doing more than he should, which is kind of the same thing if you think about it with, you know, the Rangers, you know, top two lines at times. They were being asked to do more than they should. Where if they had more superstars on that first two lines, then their players who were asked to be superstars can fill in that second, third, even fourth mm-hmm. line and do very well. It's just like I said, you, know, you, you need to have a pecking order of talent. You, know, you need to have superstars so that you can take your good players and put them in roles to succeed rather than ask players to do too much. And I think that's the problem with the Rangers. And, and they're starting to trend in the right direction where they're, just, they're selecting players now, whether it's via draft or free agency a la you know, Artemi Panarin. They're starting to look at high-end talents. Like, we're going to get this guy, and we're going to get him young, and we're going to keep him for a while. And I think that this is kind of trending in that direction. Even with the Mika Zabana trade, like that was there when the, when when Gortz made that trade, he was looking at you know two three years down the road. Like, okay, this guy has really high potential, and if I get him now and I sign him cheap, and he hits his he hits his, his, his peak, man, we've got a really high end kid here. And the more they keep doing that, the cream is just going to rise to that first line, and everyone else who's good is just going to move in the pecking order, and it just it takes pressure off of you. It says, okay, I don't have to do too much. I just have to do my job. I don't yeah. have to be a superstar. I don't have to win the game every single time. I don't have to, you know, it just, it just, it's so much easier that way.
0: Yeah. And like you said, McDonough, to me, McDonough was a good defenseman that had one elite season and that raised expectations to a point where he, he could never meet them. And I think Jacob Truba is on par in terms of talent with mcdonough which is nice but we have seen this before you you cannot rely on having one of those guys you need another one if you have if we had 2014 ryan mcdonough on this team this year playing with jacob truba our defense would be i I wouldn't say elite but it would be top 10. we need a guy on the left side that isn't named brendan smith or mark Stahl and I know a lot of fans are going crazy over Ke'Andre Miller, but he's at least a year away, maybe even two. He's not going to make the Rangers team next season.
1: No, I don't
0: think he is. We need to get that out of our heads. Brady Shea needed four full years to make it to the NHL after being drafted. Ke'Andre Miller played – how long did he play defenseman before he was
1: drafted? Like a year? I think so. I make a year and change, yeah.
0: And I saw this this graph about his zone entries and zone entry preventions, where he ranks really high on a Wisconsin team in college. But he's a beast. He is out muscling everyone he plays against. That that, that advantage that, that advantage evaporates the moment he gets to the NHL.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. I I think it does. But I, it also depends on his body development, too, I think. So let's just let's just say, I mean, yes, when he first enters the NHL and he still got a little bit of a kid frame, sure. When he fills out and maybe becomes more of like a, you know, fills out to like a Seth Jones kind of look where he's kind of thick, you know, yeah. thick thick around the waist, thick around the shoulders. Yeah, I think that he could use his physicality a little bit and kind of, you know, be able to prevent um, front players from entering the zone a little bit. But, you know, a lot of these things are also way in the future like we're, we can't be talking I don't think it's fair to talk about Keandre Miller now when I don't even exp, I don't expect to make an impact on this team for a few years
0: yeah yeah and, and let him play in the a, well the AHL is starting in December so it'll be a short season but let him play in the AHL for a year um
1: just let him develop on his own timeline. Period. Just whenever, whenever he's ready, he's ready. Exactly. Just let. I think that we, you know, that's how they you need to approach this. Just throw some darts at it, and what when these when these kids develop, they develop. Whether that's a year, two years, three years, let it happen at, at their own natural course. Don't push it. Just yeah. give them ice time and let them develop. And we, we have some other guys on the
0: left side in the pipeline, like Zach Jones and Matt Robertson. So we have multiple chips to play when it comes to developing players for that left side and they may not all pan out, but if one of them does, if one of them turns into that, that top pair defenseman mm-hmm. and you get that guy from the draft, that is such a huge advantage. I agree. Um, um, And and the Rangers, even though they've drafted okay, um, this is something I brought up a couple of months ago as well. If Kako is the first player where you actually have the feeling he can hit 60 points in the NHL at least. Um the last forward drafted by the Rangers to hit 60 points for them I think is Tony Amonti.
1: Jeez, wow.
0: We had of course uh, was, uh Mark Savard, but you know he he hit 60 points for other teams. Um but yeah, Tony Amonti is the last Rangers Drafted
1: forward that hit sixty points for them. Dang. Speaking of, so let's let's kind of get. I do want to, you know, before we get too much into some into some old time Ranger stuff, let's just talk. I just wanted to kind of touch on one last player who I thought had a really good um, series actually. And if I had to be honest, he actually had a really good regular regular season too. And that was um, uh, Pavel Buchnevich. I don't think uh, I know. There's some harsh critics of his out there, but. I mean, I think now we just need to give the kid like, a, a well-deserved round of applause. Like He had a very good year. He, his game has improved yep. significantly. And then in those three games, he came to play, man. He made some very good heads-up plays, I'd say, majority of the time. I, 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 when I, Watching those three games, he didn't make too many mistakes. He made very few mistakes, if any.
0: Um,
1: yeah, and, and I think a
0: lot, of, a lot of fans also forget how young he still is. Um, because, you know, we, we've we had him on a contract for a couple of years now, but he's only 25. He still has, like, you know, half a decade to go until he hits 30. And and this season, there was, uh, aside from his production, which, you know, looked good, um, there's, like, this steady increase every year, which is great to see. It's what you want to see. But the added... Asked He added a little bit to his game this season that we haven't really seen before, where he he throws his body around when it need, uh, when when he needs to. There was this one play against the Bruins where Marchand cross checked Lindgren. I do remember that. And Butch Neves comes skating over and he just launches Marchand like two three meters away, and his no, helmet was he'd flying he'd off. off. He, he sent them flying. His helmet goes flying off. It was amazing. And that's a little bit of a spark that he needed to add to his game. Um, and we need to stop expecting that every draft pick is going to be a superstar. You know, if you draft a guy like Butch Nevich and he's going to be a career second line winger for you that puts up 50, 60 points,
1: just take it. It's a third round pick. You, pick. Dude, you got him in the third round. You get third a player in the pick. third round who is a who who can play on your second line and produce sixty points. That is that is a home run of a of a draft pick.
0: Yep. Yeah. You want to know the best? Thing like, you
1: can't get better than
0: that. You want to know the best thing about that draft pick? What we got it in the Rick Nash trade from Columbus.
1: Oh yeah, I do remember that.
0: <laughs> we got Rick Nash and Pavel Bushnevich in that trade.
1: Uh, right. in a way. Right. Yeah, we did, actually. Uh,
0: but if, if you have a third-round pick that, that that is a... Okay, I'll, I'll say this. If you pick a player after the second round and he plays 100 NHL games, that is already a successful draft pick. I agree with that. Nevich is three games away from hitting 250 in the regular season. Jeez. It's, that is how, how, how you draft. It's just that the only thing missing from the Rangers draft picks is finding that diamond in the rough, that superstar outside of the top five. You know, when you have a 22nd overall pick where you, you find that, that, that David Pasternak type player, that is the only thing that's missing from our draft the last couple of years.
1: I, I, would agree. I would agree with that. I think, I think what's also missing is – and as much as I like Capo Caco – you, uh, if the Rangers can get a number one pick, it changes the whole landscape. They need an, a, a number one pick. Changes the equation here. It's <clears throat> it's that they, especially in a in a in you know, in a draft class where you've where you've got some outstanding players. That's what that's what you want. You want that mm-hmm. number one. Uh, I I am very much on that. I I know the Rangers can still, you know, I think technically right now, I think they're at least like they're at least. Um, poise the willies pick what 11th at worst uh yeah it's 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 first 10th or
0: 11th um right.
1: 11th worst, for,
0: Right, first overall of course if they win the lottery um they can get 10th overall if either the winnipeg jets or the minnesota wild win the lottery every other scenario they pick 11th got it okay
1: so hmm. i i i it, it be so nice to get that first overall pick. It just it just changed the whole landscape, man. It
0: is, and and I've been saying, look, I know I know that there, there's some talk about the Rangers only had one first overall pick, but I would even argue that. And I'm going into a little bit of NHL history here. The Rangers had a first overall pick in 1965, but 1965 was not the NHL draft as we know it today. Up until 19, I think 1972 there was this sponsorship system in place where if players were playing on a team that was sponsored by an NHL team, they were ineligible for the draft. Mm. So the Rangers had technically had a first overall pick, but it was in a draft where not every player was available. And on top of that, people should look this up, look up the, the 1965 NHL amateur draft and you'll see in the third round, there was an AHL team that made a selection. The Pittsburgh Hornets made a draft selection in the NHL draft in 1965. That is how insignificant that, that draft is, and that's why it shouldn't count.
1: All right.
0: The Rangers never had a first overall pick. There you go. If there's one team, and honestly, if there's one team that deserves it, it's the Rangers for never tanking.
1: No, no. I, I Listen, you're, I'm in agreement with you, man. I, I think... I think <sighs> So, so let me get this straight so, so I can kind of process this correctly. So the Rangers can get 1st, 10th, or 11th, right? Correct. That, they, were
0: the initially, they were initially slated to pick 14th, okay. but they could climb a spot if Chicago, Montreal, or Arizona won their play-in round. They would climb one spot for each, and Minnesota. Three out of those four won their play-in round, so we jumped up to eleven. Okay, got it.
1: Now, what, what draft picks do we own? Now, the draft picks that we own in the first round, obviously we own, we own our own, obviously. Yeah. We yeah. also own Carolinas. Carolinas
0: or Toronto's. Um, it depends on which pick is later in the draft.
1: I see. So, meaning we, we
0: get the, late, the later pick no matter what? We get the later of the two draft picks. So, if, if Carolina is eliminated and Toronto makes it all the way to the cup final, we get Toronto's pick.
1: I see. Okay. And those are the only two picks we own in the first round, correct? Yes. Okay. Got it. Okay. So we just got to basically try to win that lotto. That would be, that would be ideal.
0: Uh, If we win that lottery, we're adding a, uh, a really good left wing prospect. Yes. Which, which brings me to, to, to a possible dilemma. If we draft Alexis Lafreniere we have on the left Artemi Panarin, signed for six more years. Chris Kreider signed for six more years, and first overall pick Alexi Lafreniere. What are we going to do with Chris Kreider? I don't know. Um, to be fair, the Pittsburgh Penguins won two cups with Phil Kessel on their third line, making six million. So it's not. I mean. It's not necessarily something that is a problem. Um, we've been talking about having depth, um, uh, but yeah, if we add Alexei Lafreniere, it, we are we are stocked on the left. While on the right, we have Karko, Bushnevich, and hopefully Kraftsov. Right. Uh, at center, though, that's where the real
1: that's where the glaring hole is. Behind yeah, there's the- no. The, we we need, a, we need a second line center.
0: Behind Zibanejad, we have Ryan Strom, who put up, I think, 59 points this season playing with Panarin, which is great for Strom. Um, to be fair, Panarin hit career highs in both goals and assists playing with Ryan Strom. Um, but a lot of fans are hesitant to give Ryan Strom a new contract. He's a restricted free agent, so maybe they'll move on from him. Maybe
1: they'll keep him. Um the problem um, is as I is I think Ra- the problem with Ryan Strom and I like Ryan Strom, I think if you can get him on a reasonable contract to be a third line center, I think he's I think that's outstanding value there. Where he would his role would be on the third line, but he can produce like a like a like a, a top six player if he needed to. Yeah. Problem is what I'd like is to have that second line center be a superstar, being, you know what I mean, like a Zabana Jed clone kind of thing. And I think that changes the landscape. Um yeah, the, the the type of player
0: we need there is probably not Ryan Strom. Um I think I, I know they're not perfect comparables, but if you look at Ryan Strom, it's a little bit like Derek Brassard in 2014, where we signed him to a five-year deal uh making five million a year, which comes down to like seven percent of the salary cap at the time. If you would look at a comparable contract for Ryan Strome, that would come down to, I think, 5.9. Okay. Um,
1: are, there okay. any free, are there any free agent centers coming up this season that, that might fit the bill? Um, well, there's one that
0: would, for multiple reasons, be a potential good fit for the Rangers, um, even though he played mostly a wing this season for Nashville, is uh, Mikael Um. You could argue having a Finnish kid on the team is beneficial to
1: Capocaccio, who is our prized possession and golden boy. Um, nah, I'd, I'd want I'd want that. I, I I wouldn't. That that's not a direction I would go in. I,
0: I, I guess it depends on on what he would ask for money wise. Uh, if he's more expensive than Ryan Strom, then just keep Ryan Strom.
1: In my opinion. Oh, I'm I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a major upgrade there. I'm so I'm talking about are there are there any but you know, borderline superstars available.
0: Um not, l- let me let me check. Uh I don't I don't think there are really great centers available. I mean unrestricted free agents, the highest scoring center this season was Tyler Ennis.
1: Oh, that's terrible. Uh
0: if I filter off forwards, we get Mike Hoffman. Ah, he, no. He's not a center.
1: No, it's not a center, so it doesn't matter.
0: Taylor Hall, Evgeny Dadonov, Tyler Tofoli. You
1: know, ta- Taylor Hall would be an interesting one. Taylor Hall would be interesting. I gotta be fair. That's something I would think about. That's something I would what do you think he would command? How old is he, by the way? Is he is he 30? Uh, 28. 28. I'm not against that. Meaning, let's just hypothetically say Lundqvist retires. I'm not against mm-hmm. signing it. Not against signing Hall. Not against it. Uh, he he comes off a
0: contract where he made six million a year. Um, what are they gonna want seven and change? Eight? I don't know. I don't know. Look, players have to understand that there's a flat cap. Players have to understand that you know there's there's a limit to what teams can offer. Here's an interesting approach with, and this is public knowledge. If we as fans know it, then players know it too. With the Rangers freeing up over 6 million next year in, uh, in cap penalties coming off the books, would a player be interested in signing a one-year deal on a, you know, earn it contract and then maybe sign an extension halfway through the season?
1: Um, for probably. more money. And I, I think players want that guarantee money just in case um, the guarantee is, is 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 just as important as the as the potential for more money
0: I mean you know, I get that but and and i'm not I'm not suggesting Taylor Hall signs for one million, but let's say you give Taylor Hall longquist's cap hit in money you give him eight million yeah for one year and say listen, if this works out next year with with a lot of Uh, A lot of cap space You know, coming uh, a lot of cap coming off the books We can reconvene This in January or whenever And Renegotiate I I, I know players want that guarantee But these are strange Times. Uh, The flat cap Affects the whole league. Players need to understand This.
1: Yeah Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. How, How did he do this year in Arizona?
0: Uh Arizona. Let me check. Um, Twenty-seven points in thirty-five games. Not terrible,
1: but it's not. Do you good. know? Do you
0: know how he did in the uh, in the play-ins?
1: No, because I, 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 the only games I've watched were the uh, the Ranger Carolina. Okay. Series, not just the he had,
0: one, he had one. He one, going three assists in four games. So he's point per game so far. Even though it's a small sample size, that's okay. I mean, did you watch the games though? Uh, yes, I definitely watched the last game because it impacted the Rangers draft pick. On um, Friday, I watched, I think, 10 hours of straight hockey just to root for range, uh, the Rangers draft pick to go up. Um, I I don't... I, look, Taylor Hall is a great player, and he was first overall for a reason. Um, he's only two years removed from his... Uh, was it the heart that he won? Yes. He's only two years removed from winning the heart and putting up 93 points. Yep. Um, and deservedly so. I think he what did he score 40 goals that season. Uh, 39 goals, 54 assists. OK, there you go. In 76 games. So he missed six games.
1: That's insane. That's a that's a hell of a season.
0: I think Taylor the, the biggest question mark surrounding Taylor Hall is how well his body is going to keep up because he has missed a bunch of games over the years.
1: I think that's, I think that's, I think that's fair. I I mean, his, his rookie
0: season, he played 65. Um, the following season, he played 61. The shortened season, he played 45 out of 48. And then there's 75, 53. Uh, he had an 82 game season in uh, 2015, 16. And that's the only 82 game season he had followed up by 72 games, 76 games, Thirty-three games and sixty-five out of I think seventy games. So if there's if there's one question mark surrounding Taylor Hall, it's it's how much are you going to get out of him? Because he rarely plays a full season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. It's a very good point. So who, who are his um so who is his center then? Uh was it is it is it Dvorak?
0: Um, in Arizona.
1: Yeah. Um
0: I think I think he plays a little bit
1: with he's playing with Stepan, is he?
0: Um I think he's playing with Dvorak and Kessel.
1: It's a pretty good line.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think Keller plays on
1: Stepan's line. That's pretty good, man. Um, I mean, like I said, he be the kind of he'd be the kind of star that I think, you know. I mean, what's it, but then th- the only downside to that is, are we running into that same problem where we're kind of overloading our, our left wing with Panarin and Kreider and I don't know. I mean, if you if you think
0: about it, if you're not going to go for a center, then then just go for a right winger and,
1: and sign either Hoffman or Dardanoff. Yeah. Do you, do you think? Um, man, I would love to. I just I like Taylor Hall a lot. I mean, how right. many left wingers do you want on your team? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Leave me alone. Um. Hey, there's always the
0: possibility of signing Derek Rossard again. No,
1: we can't go that route. Either. <laughs> no. Hey,
0: he had 30, he thirty-two points in sixty-six games. It's not it's not awful. No, it's not. And maybe maybe we can get
1: Nemesnikov back. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I wonder. I wonder if. I wonder if any of our wingers could play center.
0: Oh, I don't want to go. I don't. I don't even want to go there when it comes to. Uh, no. I do you want to do you want to put Panarin in the middle?
1: No, no, no. Let's
0: just let's just go over them one by one. You want to put Panarin at center? Yes or no? No. Kreider, yes or no? No. Kako, yes or no?
1: I don't know about that one. I would actually think about that. How about Butchenevich? No, I like him better as a wing. All right. Well, there you go. That's that's your top six. Yeah. So it would be. I don't know. Could you put Cap? Could you put Kapokako down the middle? I mean, I he
0: played a couple of games in the Finnish league at center, but that was out of necessity, not because he's so great at it. Yeah. It's it's the same with Krafsov. He played a couple of games at center for the Russian under twenty team at the World Juniors, but. It was born out of necessity, not because he excels at that position.
1: Right. <sighs> so, in in this draft coming up, who is the best center? Uh, Quinton Byfield, but there's
0: no way the Rangers pass on Lafreniere at first overall for Quinton Byfield. I don't
1: see that happening at all. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. If
0: this if they were as close as as the Tyler Taylor draft in 2010 with Hall and Sagan. You could make a case that first overall you go for the center, but I don't think they're they're that close. Lafreniere and Byfield.
1: So just that, so so then I mean you you've you've definitely like I said I've been I've been disconnected from this for a while. So so with Lafreniere, mm-hmm. what if you had to give me a, a quick scouting report on him? You know, uh, what what are, what what's his skill set? You know, for, for people who aren't who aren't familiar with him, I think most people are. But people who aren't familiar with him, skill set, potential, ceiling—like, just give me a kind of, you know, why why you wouldn't pass on him at number one.
0: Well, first of all, he's not generational. I wouldn't put him in the same conversation as Crosby, as McDa- and McDavid. But I, I, know, think I know,
1: I know, there's a lot of people who are though.
0: I know, I, I but this is the thing. The word generational is being thrown around, and it loses its meaning and value. Okay. The, the, people said the same thing about Jack Hughes. If you have a generational player every year, they're not generational. Yeah. That's that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lafreniere is at that level, but I think in terms of impact, he's on the level of uh, McKinnon, Matthews, Barkov, Eichel. Plays a different position, of course. He plays left wing. Um, but... Yeah, it's just it sucks that that the year we might get a first overall pick, we the 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 consensus number one prospect is playing a position where we're set for the next six years. Yeah, of yeah. course, there is the scenario that the Rangers trade down.
1: I don't think they would, and I don't think they should.
0: What if what if Ottawa wants to trade third and fifth overall for the first overall pick with the Rangers? Would you do it?
1: No. I wouldn't. Why not? From from, from from things I've read about this kid, it'd be very hard for me to pass him up.
0: Because, you know, I agree with you. I wouldn't trade down, but I keep going back and forth on this. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was like, eh, maybe. Um, if you look at any draft in the last 10 years, and you look at the third and fifth overall player that was picked, the only draft where that would be beneficial is probably 2017, where you would get Heiskanen and Pereson instead of Nico Hisier.: And maybe 2014, because Akblad, he's a good defenseman, he's not great. Right. Any other year, the first overall pick is easily the best player in the top 10.
1: Let me ask you this question then. So, so to solve our, our second-line center equation, are there any centers out there that you think are available via trade or could be available via trade.
0: Well, the dream scenario, and I don't know if he's available, but that, but with uh, with a coaching change in Florida and his contract ending in twenty twenty two, I would, as the GM, I would at least inquire about Barkov.
1: Hmm. What? What's his situation?
0: Uh, he's signed for two more years. He's twenty four. He'll be a UFA at age twenty six. If you would acquire him in a trade and sign into a seven-year extension, that takes his next contract to 33.
1: No, I mean, is he having issues in Florida?
0: Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, there are no, no rumors about him having issues. Um, but you never know if a player is available until you ask. You never, yeah. Nobody knew Zabanejad was available when the Rangers made that trade. Yep, I tend to agree with that. Um, of course, there are exceptions, like Rick Nash. A trade to the Rangers for Rick Nash was rumored for, I think, three years before it happened. Um, but, you know, sometimes a player is available because you ask about it. I mean, who expected the Bruins to trade Tyler Sagan? Yeah, agreed. Which is probably among the worst trades in the last decade. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he's available, but he would cost quite, quite a haul. Um, probably starts with the Angelo Heedle and the first round pick.
1: That's actually a very fair offer. I probably would consider it. yeah.
0: And you might have to add a pick or a prospect here or there to even it out, but right. If you add Barkov to this team. I don't see a
1: way where how we could have issues down the middle. No, I agree with you. What about what about like a like? Would you would you be all interested in like a, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins or something? Would you be interested in him? Ryan Nugent Hopkins
0: not a bad player. I just think that there are better options for the same money or cheaper options for the same quality player you you're getting in Nugent Hopkins. If that yeah, makes
1: sense. I- with that I tend to agree with that too um I tend to agree with that I think Barkov is a great um a great thought I I, I know this is kind of crazy but I just wonder if I, and I, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo I don't know if Jack Eichel will ever be available here we go here we go we're, okay we're going to talk about Eichel okay now that's a guy I'd be all about but I don't know if he's available I don't think he's ever going to be available
0: um, that's the thing. He's how old is he? Twenty three.
1: Yeah, I mean he was drafted the same year as uh, as Connor McDavid. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, with Jack Eichel, uh,
0: this is, I I feel bad for Eichel a little bit because every other year he would be the first overall pick.
1: Yeah, put him in
0: every any other draft in this decade, and he's the first overall pick.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs>
0: um, I think look, if the Rangers are going to target a center, it has to be a center that's that's relatively young, um, like at the moment, max twenty four is what I what I would what I would target, maybe twenty five. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I know that you know that there's, there's Rupert Hintz in, um, uh, in Dallas. Um, I don't think he's, he's the type of center that puts you over the top or anything, but um, he could be a target. Anthony Cirelli, who plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, you,
1: you, need, you need... I'll be honest. Like The guy, the guy you kind of need is you need someone like... You need someone with, with 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 you need somebody with with real like high end talent like super high end talent. You do you need you almost need someone like you need a Sebastian Ajo you need a a Elias Patterson. you need a Patrice Bergeron you, know, you need a, a, a an Austin Matthews you know mm. you, you need those guys, but that's what you need and, and yeah I, I but, but
0: those type of players like, are usually only available uh, when when they hit their thirties.
1: No, I know. And that and that's why I'm saying, like, I'm I'm trying to find a scenario where maybe a team might want to move one of them. Like we like here's the thing. The Rangers are actually in a very good spot in terms of what they can offer players. Uh, or yeah. t- players. The Rangers actually have quite a lot of stuff they can offer. Like they do have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of draft picks. So Rangers actually have some good bargaining chips. It's just that they would need the right um the right trading partner with the right player. It would Mm -hmm. need to be a player that is established that maybe is a few years away from free agency. Maybe he's kind of, maybe that maybe the franchise is kind of looking at it. Like we're still not where we want to be. And this guy is probably going to leave. So maybe we get something now. Like that's the kind of scenario. It can't be like, you know, like you're not going to get a, you know, you're, you're not going to get like Elias Pettersson, no fucking chance. Like the guy I mean, the guy is just like, he's on, he's on entry-level contract. The guy is a superstar on a, on a, on a team that's skyrocketing in the right direction. No chance. You're not getting a Nathan McKinnon. You're not getting a, a Austin Matthews, obviously. You're not getting those. I, I, I understand that. What I'm saying is like, for example, like the Sebastian Ajo scenario this, this year, right, where he got, he got offer sheeted and yeah. maybe, and maybe like, that's a scenario where maybe Carolina. Obviously, they you know they they matched, but maybe they would have thought about trading him if they would have gotten like another center and a pick, and you know what I mean. Like they maybe they would have. I'm not saying. They, I think. Look, I think Carolina
0: coming coming off a season where they made it to the conference final was never going to trade Aho.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. So they're they're not a good like. What I'm saying is, I don't think they're the right team. But yeah. it would be a scenario where maybe it's a player of that L of like. A guy right. who is not that far away from, from free agency. All right. Uh, two, names,
0: two names that pop in my head then. Um,
1: Dylan Larkin. That I would be interested in. That, that makes some sense. Uh, I mean, Detroit, uh, if there's one team that's rebuilding, it's the Detroit Red Wings. A- exactly. And, and what's, what's Larkin's contract now? Like, when does he hit free agency? Uh, let me check. He's 22 at the moment. Um,
0: so he's, what, three years away? He has uh, three more years at six point one million cap hit.
1: Okay, and then he hits unrestricted free agency, right? He hits unrestricted free agency. He has a no trade clause in his final year. So yeah. So, um, you know what? Dylan Larkin is actually not a bad target because he's not a, he's not a he's not a I wouldn't put him in that, in that top 10 in that category. I wouldn't put him in the same category as obviously a McKinnon a McDavid a Matthews. He's not in that category, Mm -hmm. but he might actually be that second tier. The thing is we don't need that player because we have Zibanejad. We just need
0: someone. If you can have a a one, one a and one B type center.
1: That's why I'm saying to me, to me Larkin is like another Mika Zibanejad. So like now I can put him on the second line. I feel comfortable there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, that that actually might make some sense. And I don't think I think Dylan Larkin, obviously, he's probably going to have a much. I mean, I think the fact that he's got three years left <clears throat> probably does increases, you know, what you're going to have to give up to get him. But I think the fact that Detroit is rebuilding, they probably need a ton of they they, they, need, they need a lot. So not a terrible idea. And the other one which is a
0: bit more of a stretch, um, because he is yeah, well restricted free agent and on a team that's not necessarily rebuilding, but
1: Matt Barzal. That would never happen though. Yeah, it's actually very good thought in terms of the approach, but the problem with that is that first of all, the Rangers and Islands don't don't trade. Well, we said the same thing about the Rangers and the Devils, and that happened. Yeah, the, the, the Islanders are even more of a thorn in our side. I just I don't see that happening. I think that, I think even from the Islanders' point of view, they would just never do it, especially a superstar. They might trade like a, a role player or something, or maybe swap a pick if they needed just for because they need, because they actually make good partners. But a superstar player or a, 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 a star player, no, nah, I don't think so. You're not going to see that. I think that's, I'll be honest. I think it's more likely that you would get a trade for like a Barkov than you would a Barzell. Okay, I think so, that's way really more likely.
0: So okay, so Barkov for Larkin, then I'll give I'll give Gordon a call. <laughs> but but seriously, that's that's the type of player they should they should they should focus on, and and um, this is this is the final. Uh, the final chapter of what I call phase one of the rebuild where this draft in October is where we finish phase one and enter phase two. Phase one is you stock up on as many draft picks as you can right. you you draft high, you draft impact players you develop them that's that's over now, we have Kako in the system we have Kroftsov in the system mm-hmm. Nils Lundqvist is is tearing it up in Sweden and he has another year to, to embarrass everyone on the ice. Uh, Keandre Miller is in Hartford now. So we have the prospects in place. Now we go to phase two. Phase two is where you try to fill the holes you have in your lineup through trade or free agency. And then in phase three, which would ideally be in two years, like 2022, that's where you're going to go for it. That's where you start to be that that's the first year where you start to be a contender and if if the Rangers do this right they might I'm not saying we're gonna win five six Stanley Cups but if the Rangers do this right they can be a contender for a decade the way the Boston Bruins have been
1: yeah no I don't think that's uh
0: so okay so here's here's a here's a question for you if you have to choose between two scenarios right your team wins a Stanley Cup in uh, – wins two Stanley Cups ten years apart without making the playoffs in between. Yep. Or you're a contender for a full decade and you only win one.
1: Probably the latter scenario. Because it's more fun as a fan. Yeah, much more – Yeah, I would, think, I, would, I would think so, yeah, for me anyways. I would
0: much rather have if, – if I had to choose – I think Boston Bruins fans feel better about the last decade than the Kings fans. They have much more to cheer for. They made it to three Stanley Cup finals. They only won one. But they've been been consistently contenders in the East. And the Kings, granted, they won two Cups. But other than that, they haven't made that much noise, especially in the last couple
1: of years. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I just thought of a player that I wonder... I wonder if he would be available as Logan Couture. Oof. Uh, I don't know. He's Dude, signed long term. Look how bad San Jose is, man. That I is was good just about some teams that are really bad right now. All right. Well, he I mean, what is he, 26, 27, something like that? He's 31. I thought he was in his I thought he was in his late 20s. Is he
0: is no, he past 30? He's 31. He was drafted in 2007. Okay, why I don't know why I thought he was like 27 or something like that. I mean, he signed for the next 7 years at 8 million.
1: Ugh, that is that's rough. Takes
0: him to 38.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's pretty bad.
0: If you want to look at a team that has bad contracts, just look at the San Jose Sharks.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: They have Evander Kane for 7 million until Ugh, he's that, 30, 35. Sad. Yeah. Um, they have Brent burns for eight million until he's 40 yeah uh, they have Vlasic for seven million until he's 40 uh, Eric Carlson 11.5 million a year until he's 38 oh and uh, in that they have Martin Jones for 5.7 million for the next five years until he's 35.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, that is bad.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the sharks are going to do anything anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of Logan Couture. I just figured you. You could. I figured you did. You wouldn't need much to give to get him. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah. But the then, only the only uh, player
0: on the sharks I'm interested in is is probably LaBank.
1: Oh, they're not giving him
0: up, dude. But he's had a disappointing season, even for a guy that only makes one million. So, yeah, uh, I don't think the San Jose Sharks are a trade partner. Maybe if they want Georgiev. I mean, they do have several second-round picks.
1: You know who actually might be might be available? I wonder if Bo Horvat is available. Uh, the captain of the Canucks. Yeah. No.
0: Nah, I don't think so.
1: Elias Pedersen is going to be the captain of that team.
0: Uh, the only team that traced our captains away is the New York Rangers. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he has three more years of $5.5 million left on his contract. Yeah. Um, but if you want to go for a two-way center, I think Christian Dvorak is a much more reasonable target than Bo Horvat.
1: I would love Christian Dvorak. I actually like him a lot. I am pro, I'm, I'm alone in that circle but I actually really like
0: it. What it comes down to is is the fact that the Rangers have a glaring hole down the middle that they need to fill somehow and I don't think Philip Heedle is the answer there. That's that's
1: at least he's not the he's not the answer today. I mean, could he be the answer 5 years from now? Maybe. But,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Philip Hedel is has the potential to be a JT Miller type player. But if things, if he doesn't hit his full ceiling, he might top out as another anisimov, which is not a bad thing. It's just not the answer for the glaring hole we have down the middle.
1: Yeah. You know, the more I think about, it, I wonder. I'm kind of liking the idea of of Dylan Larkin. I just don't think they're ever. I don't know if they're going to get rid of. Him. They might. Maybe depends on what they're looking for. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I my my and the only reason why why I think it could be a possibility is because i just think that i do wonder detroit is in a very weird weird scenario man you know um i mean they really i mean they're just they might be the worst team in the league
0: oh that's not even a question that they
1: they 100 they, they are the worst team in the league not even not even ottawa
0: for all for all the crap people give to Ottawa Senators, they have a really good prospect pool, and they are one or two years away from being a, a playoff team. Yeah, <clears throat> the Red Wings—they made the playoffs twenty-five years in a row. If they're not careful, they're going—they're going to not make the playoffs for for at least ten years. Yeah. When yeah. you when you pay Franz Nielsen five million a year and and Justin Abdelkader for. It's just it's it's not a good look. Uh, you're not going to go anywhere with those players as your as your top players on, on your on your team.
1: No, I mean who who I mean like aside from like I said Dylan Larkin like who's their who's their best player? Um, Mantha maybe.
0: Maybe. Robbie Fabry had a resurgence after he was traded there, but is that something you can count on? I don't know.
1: I mean, maybe Tyler Batuzzi,
0: maybe. Uh yeah. Uh, the, I don't know. This this team is is all kinds of bad.
1: That's what I'm saying. I mean they, they they there's so much that this franchise needs that I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't think that's a bad I don't think it's a bad chat. And if you if you look at their
0: prospects, you know, of course they have Philip Zadina, Moritz Cider. They they have good young pieces. But they're not going to they're not going to make the playoffs in the next two, three years anyway. By the time they make the playoffs, uh, Larkin's going to be what, 27,
1: 28. And that's kind of my point is why they might capitalize on him now. Like, for example, you know. Think about building a package with Filipino around it and you could put Filippito with uh, with Zadina. Uh, I think that's something that would entice them. It's
0: it's it has to be a significantly bigger package than just Philip Heedle, But yeah. oh no, of
1: course. But I'm, what I'm saying is that could be part of the equation. Like like meaning you essentially are looking at at Filipe you know, playing with um, with Zidane at some point on a first line, mm. or a you know what I mean? That's not that's enticing. And then you add to that maybe you give you know you give them a, a top end. Uh, you give them, you give you know, D'Angelo. You give them a pick, if, like I mean, I think you could build around that.
0: There are targets for Gordon to uh, to look at, but it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to acquire that player unless unless they do what they did with Zabana where they identify a player that's going to hit their stride one or two years from now. Yeah. If you can identify that player someone like uh, it's probably too late now, but if they would have gone for Rupa Hintz a year ago, um I think that would have been a good move. Um you just have to you have, you have to get lucky with these trades where you go for a 21 22 year old guy hoping that they, you know, hit their ceiling or maybe even exceed Cuz Jad I know it was a top ten pick, but I don't think anyone expected him to uh, to hit forty
1: goals in the season. No, I would agree with that. So, so like before we wrap up here, because we're we're right on the ninety minute mark. Yeah. um, So let's say the Rangers hypothetically. All right, say they say we know what they would do with the first overall pick. Say they get tenth or eleventh. Who are the players they're targeting? Are those players Um, possibly available there?
0: So this year, there's a large group of forwards that is considered uh, franchise players. You know, every year in the draft, you have a top five, top three, top five players that, that really can, can help establish your, your organization as contenders. Okay. This year, there are probably around nine or ten of those. Um, you have Lafreniere, Quinton Byfield. You have Tim Stutzler from Germany. Uh, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond from Sweden, two wingers Uh, for the Ottawa 67s in the Ontario Hockey League. You have Marco Rossi and Jack Quinn, who are always in like that top 10. Um, And then of course you have uh, Jamie Drysdale and Jake Sanderson, both defensemen. Most of those will probably go in the top 10. And I wouldn't be surprised if a uh, if a third defenseman goes in the top ten, like Braden Schneider or Caden Gulli, Um if that happens, a player will fall out of the top ten. And if we pick tenth or eleventh, um, it just depends on 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 who drops. There's this center from Finland, Anton Lundell, who might not look like the flashiest draft pick this year for the Rangers at at eleven, but. He plays center. He's really good defensively. Um, he was second in the Finnish league in uh, in in Corsi percentage, which is you know, shots for versus shots against. So it's a possession stat, which is much more telling than just plus minus or goals or assists. Um, and even looking at his production, he is uh, since 2000 the sixth highest scoring player among draft eligibles in the Finnish league. Mm-hmm. Um I think he would be. He, I think he's the type of player the Rangers would target because even though you should never draft for need, it does come into play a little bit. Um, but again, if he's not there, someone else will drop. It just depends on on who goes where. There are a couple of teams who might go with a goalie in the top ten. Uh, Yaroslav Askarov from Russia is projected to to maybe go top ten. You could argue that the Ottawa Senators who have two picks in the top five might use one of those picks for either a defenseman or a goalie instead of going with two forwards. Um, I think the Rangers are just in a position where they have, aside from Lafreniere at first overall, they might have the easiest draft pick at 11 by just going for whoever is left out of that elite group of of 11, 12 players.
1: Hmm. Now, um, are there any specific players that you, and or is it too early to tell? Are there any specific players that you feel like the Rangers have been focusing on in terms of scouting heavily?
0: It's it's really tough to say because nobody is is close enough to the organization to really know who they're targeting, like like individually. But if we look at the last couple of years and how the scouting department has developed since Gordon took over from Glenn Sather, um, they have been heavily scouting and drafting from Sweden and Finland, of course, as we all know. Um, another department that the Rangers recently improved on two years ago was the WHL scouting. Uh, they hired a guy called Steve Konowalchuk who was the head coach of the Seattle Thunderbirds. He worked for the Colorado Avalanche in the past. He is the, uh, he is the head of scouting for the WHL. And last year, they were comfortable enough to go with Matthew Robertson with their second pick in the draft uh, from the WHL, plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings. So if you would ask me who they target, I would say unless there's a clear-cut best player available – they would go with the scouts they trust the most, which would be their Finnish, Swedish, and WHL scouts. So if you would have to put, put money on, on players, Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks is, is a possibility uh, of the players I haven't mentioned yet. Um, and with the second pick in the first round that we get from Carolina... There are some really interesting players from the WHL. You have uh, Jake Neighbors, who plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings with Robertson, and some defensemen um, that, that, that come from the WHL. But I think if you ask me, gun to my head, I think they go with, um, with who they're most comfortable with. So if Lundell is there at 11... I I don't think they pass on him.
1: Okay. Who do you think? um, Let's let's say this. Let's take. um, Is it is it a consensus of is the one two a consensus right now? Basically, yeah. Uh,
0: There 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 are some people who think Tim Stutzler from Germany could go second overall, but I think Lafreniere Byfield is basically the one two punch
1: with Stutzler right behind him at three. OK, so let's take let's even take those those first three players out of the equation. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where I, I guess that the, the next seven to eight players kind of get a little, you know, uh, it, it kind of runs into a tier of itself where it's like, ah, I'm not sure exactly where you want to rank these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from your point of view, is there is there a player or two that you sit there and say has the highest ceiling of that next like little group there of players who are projected to go from 4 to, like, let's say, 11 or 12, where you go, I think this guy, whether he goes 11th or 4th, I think he's got the highest ceiling. Uh,
0: When it comes to ceiling, there's no question. It's Lucas Raymond from uh, Frolunda in the Swedish League. Okay. Pure talent, he is probably on par with Lafreniere. There are just some question marks that I have. Um... I've watched him play multiple times this past season. Um, And as you know, when I go to games, I always try to get a seat behind the bench because I like to observe players, see how they respond. Um, I have nothing against Lucas Raymond per se. It's just that if I have to choose between him and someone like Alexander Holtz, who also plays in the Swedish League, I think Holtz's maturity is what what puts him a little bit higher on my list. Uh, Lucas Raymond is very... I don't know. There's, there's some questions about how he responds to a bad shift when he comes back to the bench. You know, he pouts a little bit on the bench. It's something I really don't like. Um,
1: and I mean, but if he's there at eleven, you go for him. It now let me ask you this question: Is he? Do you see him going being there at eleven, or is he just too good that he's going he's not gonna last? He might slip down to 9 or 10. If he slips to 11, it just
0: means that we see some teams reaching in the top 10. And and this happens every year. In 2018, we saw Arizona Coyotes at 5 go for Barrett Hayden.
1: Yeah, which was a complete reach.
0: Last year, we saw at number 6, the Detroit Red Wings going for uh, Moritz Seider from Germany. Yeah, that was, that,
1: that was another reach
0: people had him at like 2021. 20, I was at that draft in Vancouver and I was, I was, I was there with, um, uh, the draft analyst, you know, uh, Steve Corniano's, And we looked at each other, like, what did they do? How did they go for more insider? And we were all shocked. And, but, and those are the type of picks that always push down a player one or two, one or two spots. um, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, if three teams go with a defenseman. You have Jamie Drysdale, who is arguably the best defenseman in the draft. Jake Sanderson of the uh, U.S. National Team Development Program, who's also up there. Uh, and you have Braden Schneider, who, who could be that, that third defenseman in the top 10. It just depends on what teams are looking for. Um, if if I look at the draft, like Perf- uh, Cole Perfetti, who's a center, has there have been some some rumors that the Red Wings really like him at four, so we could take him out of the equation at four. Um, and if Ottawa goes with a goalie or a defenseman, it just it just pushes that that forward core down. You know, you have that if that happens, you're gonna have a really good forward sitting there at eleven. All right. And unless, the, the, unless the, the Rangers have a player that they really zone into at 11, they're going, to, in my opinion, they're going to pick one of those forwards that is, that is pegged to be a top 10 pick.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I actually think that probably makes sense. Who are the centers that you, in this top 11? Um, Quinton Byfield, who's probably going second
0: overall. Cole Perfetti, who I expect to go fourth to Detroit. Uh, and then you have Marco Rossi. Austrian center who plays for the Ottawa 67s in the OHL and Then Anton Lundell who we talked about who plays
1: in Finland got it. Okay
0: And then there's another guy Dylan Holloway. He plays uh, college hockey for Wisconsin was a teammate of Keandre Miller this past season Um, He's up there a little bit, but I think this is a really weak year for American forwards Whereas last year, you had a bunch of them, like um, um, Turcotte and Zegras. Um, and
1: who's the other one? Caulfield, I think. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. then, you're, you're, and then you're forgetting uh, Hughes, too. Uh,
0: Jack Hughes, of course. Yeah. So last <laughs> year was a really strong year for uh, the U.S. National Team Development Program. This year, that's not really there for them. And I think that's why you see Dylan Holloway a little bit ranked a little bit higher than where he should be because he's just the best American forward on the board, and some teams might reach for that.
1: I see. Um, so as far as the forwards are concerned, um, so then I would assume that that Holtz and Raymond are both they're both wingers then, right?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, They're both right-wingers. Alexander Holtz played left-wing for the national team at the World Juniors. Uh, So you might see him uh, listed as a left-winger, but all season in the Swedish League, he played right-wing. Okay. Um, uh, And let's see who else is there. Um, Oh, and then, of course, goalie Askarov. And Jack Quinn, he's also a winger, uh, who played with Marco Rossi
1: in Ottawa. All right. Now, now I think this is uh, interesting times we're getting into so the draft is so when are we going to find out when the Rangers do draft? When is that? I know, I know oh, it's like the first first week of August, right? Or second week of August we find out? Um,
0: Monday at 6pm is the second draft lottery where we find out who picks first overall and, so, then the, and then the actual draft is October 9th and 10th, Friday and Saturday Wait a second, so tomorrow we actually find out? Exactly, or probably today, which is when we will release this. Yeah,
1: yeah, interesting stuff. Sweet. We're releasing
0: this ahead of the the draft lottery, so people
1: can freak out over it a little bit more. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. This has been some good stuff. Let's um, let's let's end this year. Yeah. And, um, and remember, there's there's a, there's a one in eight
0: chance that the Rangers get it. There's a one in four chance they move up to ten. That's a pretty good chance. And worst case, we draft 11th, which would be the third highest we've picked in
1: the last decade. Yeah. Wow. So hopefully, I mean, I mean, let me. So I do want to part away asking this question um, in terms of Lafreniere. Are you on? Would you be on board saying that, like, if, if we get him, he changes the equation dramatically? Like, would you would you put him in that elite category? Of if play, we of, look, of, of, of a talent, let's just say. I'm going to say the exact same thing I said about Kako last year
0: because this applies again. If we get him, he will be the best player we ever drafted on draft day. Because, look, okay, the best player we ever drafted, we can argue, is either Brian Leach or Henrik Lundqvist,
1: correct? I, I would agree with that, yes.
0: Henrik Lundqvist on draft day was not... If he was seen as a Hall of Fame goalie on draft day, he wouldn't have gone in the seventh round. Brian Leach, I think, went ninth overall. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of what Brian Leach turned into as a ninth overall pick is development. When you look at how good a player is on draft day, if we get first overall, if the first overall pick this year and we pick Alexi Lafreniere, he is going to be the best player we ever picked on draft day. Mm-hmm. Whether he turns into the best player in franchise history depends on a lot of factors, like development, can he stay healthy, uh, what's going to happen with the NHL. On draft day, there was, until last year, no better player putting on a Rangers jersey than Capo Caco. Lafreniere this year is better than Capo Caco last year. It's not even a question.
1: Oh, that's, that, that's so sexy to think about,
0: man. And I love Capo Caco. I love him,
1: but he is—he's not Alexi Lafreniere. Neither is Jack Hughes. Yeah, meaning like if 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 Jack Hughes was in this draft, Eve Lafreniere still goes with number one.
0: Yes, I think the only other first overall picks I would pick ahead of Lafreniere in the last decade are Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Austin Matthews, and only because those two are centers, not because they're necessarily
1: better. So that really speaks volumes of how, of of this kid's potential. Then. Yeah, that's that's incredible.
0: If you look at all the other, first, let's let's go over them. You have Nugent Hopkins in 2011. No, no. Um, Eggblad. Oh, oh, Yakupov in 2012. It's a definite no. Eggblad in 2014. No. His year in 2017. No. Darlene in 2018 is a bit of a toss up, I guess, but. I would still go with Lafreniere. And then he's better than Jack Hughes. So if we get first overall tonight, for people listening, it's going to change the um the franchise for at least
1: a decade. Uh guys, get out all your lucky charms tonight.
0: I I, I already said on Twitter that if we get first overall, I'm shaving my head. My girlfriend's gonna kill me. But you know, we need all the good luck we can get.
1: Yeah, I was actually telling um I was telling Mika, uh, Hockey Stat minor, By the way, like um, Hockey Stat Miner, fo- uh, follow me on on uh, on Twitter again. I, I I I think some people totally totally don't even know this account even exists. So I'll I'll just reach out to a few people. But I was he, he actually respond he actually put something out there about like oh well what are guy's gonna do to kind of like you know like uh, to empty into the pot of like you know crazy shit we're gonna do. And I told him I was like I will do a Murph, and I don't know if you I don't know if you know what a Murph workout is, but it's like it's by far probably one of the top ten maybe even top five workouts i've ever had to do it's incredibly difficult um it's basically like so you do a mile run you do a shit ton of pull-ups push-ups and sit-ups and then you do another mile run on top of it it is absolutely fucking brutal okay. absolutely it is like, it, like i guess top five work i've ever had to do so i will do that and i'll also give up beer for like a whole month I, I might add that to to me shaving my head. I'll go I'll go sober for a whole month if we get first overall pick. Dude, I'll go I'll go I will seriously go sober. Like if we win, like my birthday is coming up soon. I'll even I'll even avoid alcohol on my birthday. I'll go all the way until the draft lottery. All right, I, 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 to- I, I will double down. I will do no booze until the actual draft lot. Right. The draft. All right, all right cool. So. This- if we get first overall, I promise Drew. That and, I'll we, do, and I'll do that Murph workout. And yeah. I'll throw something else in there if somebody wants to throw some ideas out there, something crazy. like I don't know, I'll do like, uh, I don't know, I'll do like 500 push-ups. I don't know, yeah. I'll do something crazy. I spoke to Drew, Drew Wei, and we said, if we,
0: if we get Lundell at 11 and Jan Misak at 24, we're both downing a bottle of champagne in celebration. But after that, I'll go sober.
1: Uh (laughs) fair enough speaking of drew so if you hear this podcast i actually want to bring drew back on the show let's see if we can get him on um maybe this week i'd love to talk about like some of these kids because i you know i really have been so disconnected from stuff so it'd be nice to get another third party opinion on that we're going to record
0: after the lottery so we know where we pick and it's going to be either a really short podcast if we get first overall or a really long one if we get 11
1: well, I think it's going to be good either way because if, it's, if we got the first overall pick, we're just going to, be, Drew going to be excited for about an hour.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we have some third-round picks we, we can get into because there are some players that Drew and I have been looking at in the
1: third round okay. that we're both excited about, so that'll be really? fun if we can have them on. Uh, so just out of curiosity, before we end this, who are the other teams we're competing with for that first, first overall pick? Um, all the teams that lost in the play-in, so the Minnesota Wild, the Winnipeg
0: Jets, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Edmonton. Oh Oilers. God,
1: it's, I forgot about Pittsburgh. God no. But, if, if it's one team that does not need to win this, it's Pittsburgh. The Nash.
0: Okay, so so the eight teams that can that can get Lafreniere, New York Rangers, Winnipeg Jets, Minnesota Wild, Nashville Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins, Edmonton Oilers. Oh God, no. Um, the loser of Maple Leafs Blue Jackets and the Florida Panthers. All
1: right, the teams I don't want to see win this. Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Toronto. No, 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 no.
0: If the Rangers don't get Lafreniere, I want him to go to a team that has not won a cup yet. Either Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg, or Columbus.
1: That would, him and Columbus would be terrible, man.
0: Yeah, but they've never won a cup. If if the first overall pick, look, this is like the Stanley Cup final, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Aside from my own team, I always root for teams that haven't won a cup yet. It's that simple. Yeah. I don't need to see Lafreniere play on on a team that has won five cups in the last twenty five years in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't need to see Lafreniere play with with a bunch of first overall picks in Edmonton.
1: No, I don't want to see that. I just, you know, what's funny is, out of all the teams here, I mean, aside from, you know, maybe him going to Toronto because Toronto is like a golden boy for the league. Um, aside from that, you know what? Honestly, man, the Rangers are a great fit. It's it's that team. It's on the rebound. It actually does need some high end talent. It, it would be a, it would be a good fit in terms of for the league, but you know, I mean, it's it's all it's all luck.
0: Well, let's hope we can discuss this further on uh, on on Tuesday.
1: I agree. All right, let's wrap this up, guys. Um, we'll, we'll 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 chat some more coming this week, but it uh, just it feels good to be back on this podcast, and so you know. Uh, any of you guys used to follow me, if you want to follow me again, it's, it's at Greg Sirico this time, G R E G S I R I C O. Um, Steve will probably share some of my stuff, but um, if you guys, you know, tend to follow me, uh, just be aware that, um, you know, I, I, (laughs) there is a possibility I might get booted again because, you know, I, I tend to do a lot of dumb shit sometimes. So let's just be aware. (laughs) Um, I, I, I don't, Listen, I'm I'm done I'm I'm done pulling punches on 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 our government, man. If they when they do dumb shit, I call them out on it. I don't care. Sounds good. Sounds like a good note to uh, to end on. (laughs) All right guys, be good. All right.
0: Bye.